0: You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Just while you're grabbing your seats, why don't you you just show your appreciation for our worship team, the incredible job this morning. Legends. Legends. And uh, just while we're at it, why don't, why don't we thank our, our venue team, all our volunteers who, uh, yeah, come on. <laughs> AV guys up the back. We are, we're really blessed to have uh, a community of people who are willing uh, to help make happen uh, what we enjoy being a part of. Um, so make sure if you see someone today wearing a team shirt, uh, you thank them for arriving earlier than you did this morning, uh, for, for preparing uh, this place for you uh, so that uh, as many barriers as possible can be removed between uh, you arriving in your car and you arriving in the presence of God. Um, that's, that's their heart is, is to do that. So can you say thank you to them if you see them? That would, that would be incredible. Come on. And uh, if you don't mind, I'm just going to pray. That'd be awesome. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much that you're here with us. Thank you that we can lean into you. I thank you that your word is absolutely truth. And I pray this morning it would speak to us, it would shape us, it would encourage us. Lord, it would lift us up. And uh, Lord, I pray that it would stir us and, and spur us on in the life that you have planned before us, Father. Uh, God, I pray. Also, uh, Lord, just for for those that are struggling this morning, just on my heart, those of our difficult week, God, just touch them now. Just let them know you're with them, that you're enough. Amen. Amen. I can't pray for the Jets because uh, they played last night and I don't know the result, so please don't tell me. Uh, But also it means that, you know, I can't, I can't, can't pray for them, but look, I'm sure they did well, I'm sure they played well, God's going to be with them if I pray or not, but... um it's all good. For those of you who are visiting with us this morning, welcome. Uh, thank you so much for coming and uh, checking out our um, Sunday morning service. Uh, we are a church that believes uh, not just in meeting on a Sunday, but meeting Monday to Friday. And uh, uh, we have an incredible center uh, that is off and running and functioning and doing things for our community. Uh, so if you're interested in knowing what what's going on outside of our Sunday morning, please make sure you grab someone and have a conversation. Uh, but thanks for coming to our Sunday morning. Uh, It's great to have you. My name is Nate. Uh, I'm the campus pastor here, uh, along with my beautiful wife, Rach, who's on the front row, who is the better half of uh, us in every way. Um, And uh, we have the great pleasure and privilege of serving under our senior pastors, Pastor Keith and Janet, uh, who are here with us this morning. Why don't we welcome and honour our senior pastors. Thanks, guys. they don't get to be here in this location every Sunday these days, but um, I tell you, they are, they are incredible and um, they continue to lead the whole scope of our church forward and it's, it's awesome to be in their uh, slipstream. So uh, make sure that you show them some love. This morning, I am kicking off our new series, uh, which I, I love to do. I love to kick off a new series in church. I love to unpack the context of things. And, and this morning, our series is entitled Healthy Things Grow. Uh, right, I know uh, for Rach and I, as we um, were, uh, I say Rach and I, which is really awkward when I'm going to continue this and you guys had nothing to do with me, but uh, when we were pregnant, we were pregnant, what a husbands relate to we were pregnant? Come on, come on, right? When we were pregnant with our second child, um, our beautiful daughter Evie, uh, we, we discovered that uh, around about the, the, sometime after 30 week mark, about 32 weeks Yes, nailed it. Um, uh, We we, we found out that she had actually stopped growing. Uh, She'd she'd stopped developing the way that she should have been. Um, The the placenta, uh, (laughs) everyone knew what I was talking about when I like, that thing, the bag, (laughs) the bag thing inside. it, it for whatever reason had stopped, stopped nourishing her, and and, um, and and so what had happened? Her stomach had actually started to shrink because babies are super smart in in the way they develop, and uh, and so if there's not enough nutrient, uh, the the developing um, child will will kind of push the nutrients to the important parts uh, and so her head was still the right circumference but her stomach was actually starting to go backwards it was actually shrinking um, and, and the doctor was saying well we can you can, you, know, you can kind of tell that because the growth isn't normal there's something that's not healthy okay so so there is this inherent link even even in nature that that health uh, precedes growth okay uh, and and we have an incredible vision at the moment as a church to see growth and to see influence so so obviously it, it would make sense that, that in looking at growing, we would, we would start to analyse what are some of the key ingredients in growth and therefore let's make sure those ingredients are healthy. Let's make, let's make sure that those ingredients are getting, getting uh, spoken into and revived and for whatever, you know, wherever they're at, making sure that they're in a place of health so we can set ourselves up for the best possible growth. Uh, coming out of those. Um, And so as a pastoral team with the leadership of Pastor Keith, we've sat down, we've unpacked that Scripture in Acts, right? If you you look at it, it talks about God added to their number daily. I can't find a better description of growth in the New Testament than daily expansion of the Kingdom of God, people getting saved, people finding Jesus, coming and going, yes, I believe, I'm giving my life for this, I'm joining into this community. Uh, And so if if this is an articulation of growth then we can begin to go well what was it that they were doing that created an atmosphere of health so that that growth was facilitable yeah, yeah. i definitely made up a new word <laughs> so this morning can i encourage you not uh, and over the next few weeks as we unpack this this particular scripture acts 242 as we unpack it and look at some of the key we're going to call them ingredients to health ingredients to grow. as we unpack this can you as a church let's let's press in let's lean in let's let's ask the question of ourselves how is my health in these areas because I, I just, we're going to get onto this? this Is my second point, which is going to surprise some of you that I have points. But my second point, we're going to get onto the fact that we're never in this alone. And so our health is, is actually, actually can not just sort of, it's a negative to say it has an effect, but we are linked, right? We're a body. We don't do this journey individually. So the health of one person does have this, this relatability to the health of the whole, And so individually, we need to, for the benefit of the whole, assess our level of health in these areas and make sure that I'm whole, I'm healthy, we're healthy, and and, and let's let's move into a season of growth. Come on. So some of you would know, some of you wouldn't. I, I really enjoy gardening. Uh, it's a little obscure, uh, I guess, hobby that was passed on from my mum. At, at the moment, my garden is just in this incredible state of, of producing fruit, right? So I've got, I got nectarines, I've got peaches, I've got blueberries, I've got figs, right? i got lemons coming through. My veggies are like bursting tomatoes and beetroots and celery. It's, it's all happening. I'm, I'm in like garden of heaven right now. Um, but if, if you want a good garden, there's key ingredients, right, that, that need to go into having health in your garden. If, if I want my, my nectarine tree to grow nectarines, there's some things I need to put into it to make sure that uh, when it comes to fruiting time, there's actually fruit on the tree. And obviously one of, one of these in, in, ingredients would be something like water. Okay, Awesome hot day yesterday, who, who made it to the beach? Not enough of our church made it to the beach. This is disappointing, guys. Come on. Lift your game. Um, Hot day, Go into my garden, everything's wilted. Everything's wilted. Now, put my sprinkler system on, 30 minutes. By this morning... All of my veggies, they're back, they're standing straight, you know, they're, they're looking vibrant. And, and so sometimes we can add an ingredient and it has an immediate effect, okay? And I, I love that uh, Pastor Jez almost stole my entire message, but she touched on this, right? Sometimes we can add an ingredient and there's an immediate effect, okay? But sometimes there's ingredients that we need to add that we may not see the benefit of for quite a while, okay? So, so sometimes we need to do something like prune the tree. And and we would know that pruning happens in winter. And actually, a lot of the stuff that we do in winter isn't for winter. A lot of the stuff we do in winter is actually not even for spring, it's actually for summer. Right, so we have to we have to do stuff in winter. We have to dig around the roots, we have to embed fertilizer, we're to pack some manure in there, right? So next time in life you feel like you're walking through something that feels awfully like manure to you. Maybe God's trying to put some more nutrient into your life so that so that you've got something there that's that's built into you so that when, when summer comes and you need to bear fruit in your life, you've you've been able to develop some nutrient. All right, let's not let's not push it back against and run away from difficulty. Maybe God's God's trying to use it to develop something in us that we need when He wants us to produce fruit. The issue is that we don't see the benefit immediately. And because we live in such an instant gratification generation, we stop. We stop way before summer. See, sometimes... Prayer can work as an ingredient in both these scenarios. If we take this analogy and we relate it to prayer, prayer is one of the things that we read that the disciples, the believers, committed themselves to. It's one of these ingredients that if we were to unpack that scripture, we would see it's one of the things that was, that was important and essential in, in developing an atmosphere of health in the body of believers to initiate growth. And, and prayer can work like both of those scenarios. Sometimes... Prayer can be like the water that's that's put on overnight and revives us, but that sort of prayer brings refreshment, not fruit. There's a difference. See, lasting fruit, however, is actually born not from not from a moment of prayer, but from a season of prayer. In in the same way that that if we diligently sow. Stuff in the winter with an expectation that that because God has set the seasons in motion, that, that God is actually in charge, God is actually sovereign over not just our fruiting season, but our winter season as well. Right? That if we are diligent in the winter, we will see fruit in the summer. Sometimes we need a season of praying through the winter where we're only going to see little buds of potential in the spring, we need to move through spring holding on to the expectation that what we did in the season of winter will bear fruit in the summer, not because of necessarily anything we did, but because God is faithful and because He put the seasons in motion and therefore He is able to, to bring to fruition what we did through winter and produce something in summer. Sometimes your growth, sometimes the growth you're looking for takes longer Than you would like, but that doesn't change the ingredients required for growth. Okay? So, point number one. Yeah, I know, I know, everyone's like silent in shock. That was just the intro. Yeah. Point number one prayer changes possibilities. And for all of you that use, oh, sorry, guys. For all of you that enjoy alliteration, you're going to love my points this morning. Yeah, we're preaching on prayer and my points. I'll start with P. Uh, prayer changes possibilities. Prayer is one of the things that acts on our thinking to help us see things as God does, uh, to see things from His perspective, right? So we live in a natural world of time and space. And the reality of time and space puts... puts these uh, restrictions on circumstances and situations. Okay, For instance, time and space tells us what gravity will and won't do. T- uh, time and space tells us the, the, the physical outworking of sickness and what can and can't happen in that scenario. Our, our natural world will speak to us if we let it. And often, it will present things to us as impossible. For instance, if I was to step off of this stage, it would naturally be impossible for me to levitate above the ground. Time and space and the laws of physics would indicate to me that that is something that is impossible. The problem is that God says what's impossible with humans is possible with God. Matthew 19, 26 26 says, Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. It's interesting that, that, that what the interaction Jesus is having in that scenario is recorded for us again in Luke. And in Luke, it says that he replied, What is impossible for people is possible with God. We get, we get this re emphasizing of the same point that, that, yes, there are things that in our human world are impossible. Let's not pretend we live in some weird, weird land where the, the natural factors of time and space and physics and those things don't play a part. They do. There's just someone who created it, who has the capacity to lean into it and shift it when he sees necessary. So yes, there are some things that to us are impossible, but to God, they're possible. Now, if we look at the context of these passages, what we have to understand is that that, that statement is made in relation to someone trying to gain salvation. If we unpack it, and I won't because of time, but if we unpack it, we see that there's a rich man that approaches Jesus and basically says, look, I've done all of this really good stuff. What else do I need to do to be saved? And Jesus responds, sell all your possessions, give them to the poor and come and follow me. And, and His articulation is that He has done 99% of what is required for salvation. And, and so when Jesus responds and, and the, the young rich man walks away discouraged, the disciples start talking amongst themselves. Well, if He can't get in, who the heck can get in? Who can get saved? How this, this, this salvation thing is just beyond us. This person had done 99% and still it wasn't good enough. And, and Jesus responds to that discussion they're having by saying, yeah, yeah to, to man, it's impossible. Yeah. But to God, it's possible. You see, you see whether, it's, whether it's a diagnosis or a financial situation, a relational breakdown, a situation in your job or your family, your body, so many things are impossible for us to change in this life. But can I tell you that none of them are more impossible than living a life of perfection, to the standard that God sets, no, there is nothing more impossible than us getting to heaven on our own merit. There is nothing in this life that we face that, that, that on a scale of impossibility ranks higher than saving yourself, than living a life good enough to make it on our own. So, so Jesus takes the most impossible thing to humanity, the most impossible thing to a human being, and says you're absolutely right that is impossible but i have made a way yeah. but to god it's possible yeah. so you know that that tells me that there is nothing else that i'm going to face in this life that ranks higher than that impossibility. And if God is able to make that possible, that if He is able to make a way through the most impossible situation and circumstance, then whatever I face, whether it's a diagnosis in my body, whether it's a relational difficulty, whether it's a financial situation, whether I've lost my job, and all of those things, yes, are impossible, yes, are difficult. We don't wanna diminish the emotional uh, uh, situation that they bring on our life. But I'm telling you, if God can make salvation possible, he can make that, a, he, can, he, can, he, can, he can shift something into a place of possibility in those areas. And that breakthrough and that miracle, that healing in your body may well be impossible for man, but it is possible with God. And when we come to Him in prayer believing, it is prayer that positions us in a posture in which God can shift our perspective from one of man to one of God. Matthew 12, says, And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. James 5, 16 says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. This is why we're told in Matthew 7, 7, to keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. Effective prayer is persistent prayer. Praying once doesn't always shift the mindset particularly when it's been set one way for a while or has been established by something significant. Sometimes we need to pray for longer than just once before our perspective begins to shift. We actually need to keep on asking, keep on believing, keep on coming to God, keep on pursuing that thing you prayer. I know sometimes for me, it can take... Time and time again before faith begins to rise in me for a situation i 'm praying about in, in, in all the times I pray about it previously, to be honest the, the, the faith is not there I'm still i 'm still operating in a perspective that I have in my mind, and it has ta- it 's going to take some persistence it 's going to take some continuation it 's going to take some habit to keep coming and praying and praying and praying, and before long or, or maybe even after a long period of time, but suddenly suddenly I get God's perspective. Suddenly there's a shift. And then then suddenly I can tell, I can tell because my prayer changes. Goes from praying about it and it's like suddenly I know and I, I can speak to it. And I know I'm now praying, believing, and I know that it will happen. But prior to that point, I'm still praying. I'm still in that space of praying persistently, waiting for my perspective to be shifted. Let's just remember that you might be digging around the roots of something in a winter season that you'll see the fruit of in summer. Don't mistake a lack of physical change for inactivity from God. You do that, and and you will begin to change God's character in your eyes based on your circumstances. Only one can be unchanging. Either your circumstances will be what you allow to be unchanging or God's character will be what is unchanging and you will live according to either one. Point number two, partnership changes perspective. So often we view prayer as an important part of our individual walk with God, which it is. But the true reality of our walk with God is only found in conjunction with those around us. See, the kingdom of God is like a body um, this is unpacked in Scripture, every cell functioning for the benefit and reliance on the other cells. There is not a single cell in your body that functions for itself only. Every single cell in your body functions for the ones around it and, and, and because of the ones around it. And we have to understand that that translates, everything in the natural created being, I believe is translated into a spiritual reality. Okay, we can, we can perceive things in the spiritual by looking at the natural. We shouldn't always do it from that direction, but we can. We can look at our body and go, okay, I'm understanding some stuff. And that's a picture because it came from the spiritual. It's a picture of some of the things that are functioning in that space. And so we have to understand that when we are born again, we are born into the kingdom. We are born into the body. We aren't born into an individualistic point of view and and an individualistic life. We are born into a body of Christ. We become a newborn cell in amongst all the other cells. And we now live out our walk with God for the benefit and in the reliance on those around us. This is why when when Rachel and I were ordained as campus pastors, we looked out and we said, hey, we're in this together. That was a bit quiet. (laughs) We're not born again into an individualistic faith, we're born again into a symbiotic relationship with other believers. We don't do this walk alone and partnership in prayer reminds us of this. So often it it, it will shift our prayer life from, from just focusing on our individual issues. right? It'll shift our focus from our individual desires, our individual problems. It will remind us we're not alone. We're not walking this journey alone. We walk this journey together. Sometimes it's healthy for others to remind you that their situation is a bit, bit more difficult right now than yours. Allow compassion and support to be drawn out of us. Sometimes you're on a mountaintop and someone else is in a valley. If we only ever walk individualistically, we, we never get the opportunity to pull people out of the valley up onto the mountain with us. When we partner with people in prayer, we're reminded of the kingdom that we are in. That we're a body, I believe that that was this. That when Jesus was asked, "How should we pray?" that he he gave us a framework that was full of communal words. Right? There weren't. There's no eyes in, in the Lord's Prayer as, as as we would know it's titled from Scripture. There's no eyes. There's no our. Uh, there's no there's no my's. There's lots of ours. There's lots of uses. I think we've got, got it on the slide, Matthew 6, 9 to 13. It says, pray like this. Our Father. Now, there's great benefit in knowing that God is my Father. Personally, He's my Father. But I tell you, there's, there's, a, there's something very powerful that comes with knowing He's our Father. That He is our Father. That over this whole thing, He is Father. Our Father, hallowed be Your name, May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, whether that's revelation from the word or provision in your life. There is, a, there is an us. There is a standing with other people believing for their provision. There is, a, there is a standing and allowing God to speak to you to be their provision. There is an us in this. Give us today the food we need. Forgive us our Sin. Pastor Phil, the director of our movement, brought a powerful word at a national conference where he, he, he unpacked this and he said, have you considered coming before God for the sin of the church? Wow. Our sin. For the sin of our nation. Now we can't, we, can't, we can't accept forgiveness and salvation on behalf of an individual, but I tell you, I believe that we can, we can bring an inner seed and stand in the gap for people. God forgive them for what they've done, forgive our nation for what it's done, Lord, and open up as much potential for them to experience God as possible, that we might be the ones that recognise that we are a part of something bigger than our own personal walk with God, that we're a part of the Kingdom of God and that we would stand in the gap for our city, that we would begin to pray for our city as an hour, for the, for the sin of our city, for the provision of our city, for the blessing of our city. Rescue us from temptation. His plan is worked out through all of us, not just one of us. And we need to pray with each other to have our eyes lifted and our perspective shifted. And and that's, that's that's all really good, but your partnership also carries its own significance. Scripture tells us in Matthew 18 that when two or more agree on earth, when there is agreement, there is an agreement with our partnership. Agreeing with yourself is a little bit strange. But when we're standing with someone and we're both saying yes, yes, I'm in agreement on this. God actually says that when there's that happening, when you're starting to operate like the body, not like a whole group of individuals, but as, as, as the full, but when, when that's happening, I'm on that. That draws my attention because that's, that is my church, that is my body working like it should. Yeah. Point three, passion is a prerequisite. See, for me, passion is something that permeates both of the above aspects of prayer. If we put passion in the context of point number one, what we find here, where James talks about the fervent prayer, the enthusiastic prayer, those two words you cannot have without some sense of passion, right? Fervency and enthusiasm, like they are synonyms for passion. Okay, Um, when when we when we look at the scriptures in Matthew, right? If you are not passionate about something, you will not persist. When we talk about the persistent, the, the, the persistent prayer, the, the ongoing prayer, the continual prayer, that tells me that there is passion involved in some aspect of that. You are passionate enough to see a breakthrough that you are going to keep on going, keep on praying, keep on leaning in, keep on pressing in. And then later on in Matthew when it says to believe without doubting, you have reached a point where you are passionately convinced of what it is that you're praying for. So passion permeates all of point one. And when we get to point two, passion in the Lord's prayer, I, I see is, there is no this mean there's no greater act of passion than surrender. It's modeled to us on the cross that it, it, it was because of Christ's great love for us. We see it in the fact that He died for us while we were still sinners. Romans 5:8: that we, while we were still sinners, He died for us. Greatest act of passion. Let's talk about marriage. Passion isn't found in the bedroom so much as it's found in a lifelong commitment to surrender to your spouse. Most passionate love is a love of self-sacrifice. Most passionate love is a love of that happening over and over and over and over again for 20, 30, 40 years. We see in our series Scripture, there was clearly some significant change that happened in the lives of the disciples. Something triggered change in their world. They suddenly started meeting together and, and fellowshiping together eating together and praying together. And there was, there was all, of these, all of these things that, that are genuinely patterns in our life. The way we eat, the things we do, they become patterns and they become habits. But there was something that, that occurred that changed their patterns. There was something that triggered enough passion for there to be change. And I used to think, I used to think that you could just, or just turn passion on. And I think that to some degree we, we can do that, but I think it's not long lasting and I think ultimately it ends up stale. However, if we backtrack from our serious scripture and we we ask ourselves, what fueled the passion that they had that contributed to their willingness to shift the patterns in their world? What fueled that passion? What fueled the passion that enabled the changes to stay, not just for one week, but for the rest of their lives? What fueled the passion that enabled them not just to shift a few patterns, but to go to their own deaths as martyrs, to, 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 if you, if you look at the things that they suffered, what, what fueled that passion? You can't just switch that on. None of us can do that. It's impossible. But what's impossible with man is possible with God. And if we backtrack enough, we find there was, there was a significant situation that occurred that sparked this passion. And it's called many things. There's a spiritual terminology around it, but ultimately what happened? They met with God for real, for real. They had, they had a real moment. Where, where the Holy Spirit of God Himself came out into their world in a way that was undeniable. And from that point on, they were convinced something was lit inside of their soul. There was a fire that was turned on. And, and from that moment on, they didn't turn back. They didn't waver. They, they allowed all sorts of things to get changed in their life. And for us, to be able to have a passion in our prayer life, a passion to maintain and persist, a passion to surrender our will to His will, a passion to to take the stand between our city and God. If if we are to be passionate enough to do those things and to pursue this type of a, a, a prayer life as a church, if we are to have that passion, can I tell you, we cannot just turn it on. We cannot just stir it up of ourselves, of our own accord. No, 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 no. To have that sort of passion, we must have an encounter with God. We must have a moment where the Holy Spirit of God Himself comes and and lights something inside of us, a moment where we stand with Him and we experience Him. And like Paul writes, we would experience His love, that we would would actually tangibly know and and be convinced of His reality and His presence in our world. It's only then that we get something called the fire of God in our lives that stirs us and, and, and pushes us on. We cannot do it on our own.